to the Rashida Truth Podcast. My name is Will. I'm your host. Today's date, November 10th, the year of our Lord, 2021. This is going to be episode 113. It's going to be called Come Witness the Financial Revolution. Hope that you're all doing well. Hope that you're all challenging yourselves every every single day. Hope you're going to war with your mind and yourself every single day. Well, we are seeing a lot of things in the financial here. Because you have to remember that... The thing is that uh, they don't have, the enemy does not have a narrative to cover up the implosion of the economy, okay? Because what they're going to, we already know, and I will explain this again for people who don't know and people who forgot. The thing is that they were going to use the pandemic in order as their cover story in order to implode the economy and they were going to blame it on the pandemic. Trump took that away from them. How? Well, Trump got the vaccines, Operation Warp Speed. Now, I'm not saying that the vaccines are a good thing. It's just that the mainstream media and the enemy was saying, we're going to need a vaccine or we're going to be in this pandemic for the next 10 to 15 years. Well, they didn't say 10 to 15 years, but it takes a long time to develop vaccines. And Trump got Warp Speed done. And so it actually is defeating the pandemic narrative. We should be coming out of a pandemic because there are vaccines, right? And also, another way that they were going to try to cover up the uh, implosion of the economy is that they were going to blame it on a civil war in our country. You have to remember in 2020 and even a little bit before that, our it was uh, there was a a civil war. It was like a, a a culture war. Okay, it was heating up. It was threatening to become a civil war because you had Antifa running around, burning, looting, shooting. You know, you had the patriots who were getting angry. Okay, that their cities were being looted and shot, shot up and you know burned down, and the thing it's like a lot of these mayors and governors did nothing because they they were on the they were on the side of Black Lives Matter and Antifa who were going around and doing that, and so we've seen that uh, part of the half part the, a lot of the government they agree with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and so they've been using Black Lives Matter and Antifa in, in in a couple years ago they were using Black Lives Matter and Antifa. As the, the 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 military arm of their party, it's just like the KKK was the military arm of the Democrat Party um, back in the 1870s, in the the late 1860s and the early 1870s. And so, what had happened um, was with 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 our time these days is that uh, the government was using the KKK, not the KKK, but the government was using Black Lives Matter and Antifa as their military arm to go ahead and destroy our cities and create this uh, civil war uh, and make it happen because the patriots were getting angry. So the government was uh, riling up Black Lives Matter and Antifa. The media was creating these uh, these narratives to make it seem as if black people were being targeted. 
and it gave Black Lives Matter and Antifa a reason to go out there and loot and shoot, even though Black Lives Matter and Antifa don't even care about black people at all because if you look at the south side of chicago look at south central la look at baltimore you know look at places like that detroit michigan that place looks like a war zone but the government would rile them up give them a false narrative under which to go ahead and loot and shoot and burn these cities and the patriots the people who love this country would be angry because the authorities weren't doing anything about it you know, and so the Patriots were going to take matters into their own hands. And when if that kicked off, if a, if a kinetic civil war kicked off, then it would it would really, really uh, give them a cover story in which uh, the economy say that the economy was tumbling. And then you had them uh, frauding out the election, the 2020 election. Right. And then you had the capital thing, the capital debacle, where uh, a lot of the Trump supporters were let into the capital. And um, by the by, the Capitol Police actually, you were let they let them into the Capitol. You had people dressed up as Trump supporters, Black Lives Matter, uh, people uh, busting windows and things like that. And then there are videos of the Trump supporters uh, just walking around in there, looking around and stuff like that. And then so they tried to call it an insurrection in order to get back at Donald Trump. And like I told you before, I I heard from my sources that Donald Trump. This is from my sources. I can't confirm, but I heard from my sources that Trump had two army rangers go into the Capitol in the in the crowd and steal Nancy Pelosi's laptop. Um, they got it back, but that's just what I heard. That's what that's what I heard. That's what I heard through the grapevine that Trump sent two army rangers in there to go ahead and take Nancy Pelosi's laptop to learn what was on it. Now, they don't have this they don't have this uh, narrative. What did Trump do? Well, after January 6th, Trump told his people to go home. He said, we love you. You go home. We're going to fix this. He told them to go home. And then the thing is that he tweeted out on his Twitter channel, on, on, on his Twitters, and he was being shut down. Okay? Um, the thing is that you didn't see him for a little while. The thing is that the communists had to try and shut him out. Okay? But the thing is that here, he told his people to go home. And so now there was no civil war because the enemy wanted a civil war. The enemy wanted Americans fighting Americans. And what does Trump not want? Trump does not want Americans fighting Americans. Okay. And so they don't have a narrative. And so we're seeing them implode this economy. You're seeing it right before your eyes. You're seeing all these infrastructure deals right before your eyes. This is what I'm talking about. The media can't cite the pandemic because we have the vaccines. We're coming out of it. Okay. Even part of the federal, even for some of the Fed Reserve, Federal Reserve chairs are saying we're coming out of a, a pandemic, we're recovering, okay, and there's no civil war going on, okay. Yeah, the people, yeah, 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 people who are angry at uh, the enemy and everything for the critical race theory and stuff for the children and the mass mandates and things like that. But I'm talking about in terms of uh, the implosion of the economy because the mass mandate, the anger around the mass mandate and things like that, that's not going to cover up. The implosion of the economy. That's going to highlight the implosion of the economy. Okay. And so there's no narrative, like I said. Okay. And as we know, we have Joe Biden trying to pay out 450K to illegal immigrants, right? And like I, I did them I did the math for you before. And about 1.3 million people in America, out of 340 million, 1.3 million people make five hundred thousand dollars a year. 
Okay, that's like I told you, that's about the entire uh, county of Sacramento. So Sacramento County would be the only people in the country making at least $500,000 a year. Everybody else makes less than that. That's not a lot of people at all. Now, Cat- Catalina Lauf, she puts uh, something out on Twitter that I saw. She says, a $14,000 fine if you do not comply with Joe Biden's vaccine mandate, but you get a, but there is a $450,000 check if you cross the border illegally. This is what America last looks like. All right. She has a point, and I agree. And so there is a poll here, and uh, this poll is so awful to me. I mean, you'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a second why. Okay, so this is a poll on uh, Breitbart.com found that a, a poll... Excuse me. A poll from Breitbart.com found that 67, 67 percent of American voters disapprove of Joe Biden's plan to uh, pay 450 grand to illegal aliens who were separated, compliant to federal law from their parents. So, yes, family separation is part of federal law, and these people broke the law by um, coming over the border illegally. Just like I told you, I gave you the example if. I, if I was 35 and I had a six-year-old in the car and I got a DUI, we, me, me and the six-year-old would be separated, okay? I wouldn't be able to keep my child with me because I broke the law. And so same thing, same thing applies on the border, but, uh, but all of a sudden people think it's just so wrong now since Trump started doing it, even though Barack Obama was the deporter-in-chief. Look it up. Look it up. Google deporter-in-chief. Now, the reason I don't like this poll is because it says 67% of Americans. I think, personally, I think there's a lot more than 67%. I think about 80 to 90% of people disapprove of that. Because that is a that is is an asinine, an astronomical amount of money to pay out to people for breaking the law. It's like I told you, only 1.3 million people in the country make like make $500,000 a year. And some people are going to say, oh, that's $50,000 more. I don't want to get into numerical semantics. You, you understand what I'm saying, okay? So now I want to move on, and I want to talk about I'm going to talk about this billionaire tax from Joe Biden, but I want to put this into perspective for you, okay? Um, because when we look at the present, we always have to look at the past and what happened, because history always does repeat itself. So I'm actually excited. I get to go on a rant about the 16th Amendment. Now, the 16th Amendment was the you know the federal taxes and things like that. So we know about Biden's billionaire tax. So let me go ahead and rant about the 16th Amendment for a second. Okay, I will rant about the 16th Amendment, and then I will put the things into perspective for you um, for this billionaire tax that Joe Biden has uh, been uh, purporting. Now, according to Frank Ch- Chateroff, the freedoms won by Americans in 1776 were lost in the Revolution of 1913. The passes of the 16th Amendment, which enabled a federal income tax, signified Americans handing over the freedoms earned by the blood of their forefathers and entrenching themselves into a slavery contrary to the very essence of our nation's beginning. Ironically, the idea for an income tax came from the British system. The British income tax was derived from when, from the time when the king owned all the real estate. Because one's land was actually the king's possession, he could tax any income derived from it, and even if he couldn't tax property itself. Of course, when the Founding Fathers wrote the Constitution, they rejected this premise. Instead, Congress's power to tax was laid out in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution as follows, quote, To lay and collect taxes, duties, imposes, excises, to pay the debts, and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States, but all duties, imposes, excises, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States, unquote. So, we, we stop there. 
that means that the taxes, the duties, you know, like the taxes and stuff, need to be uniform throughout the United States. The taxes are not uniform throughout the United States, and, I, and I'll show you. I'll show you that they're not because you know, you know how different people get taxed differently depending on their income. I actually told a friend of mine this that we should have a a, a flat tax. Now he's not really uh, into the, you know, he doesn't really know this stuff like that, but you know, um, of course he had to fight me on this, but I told him that we should have a flat tax, like a 14% tax. Everyone should pay like a 14 or 20% tax or something like that. He said, no, I was like, you know, and I told him that, you know, the rich pay about 75 to 80% of our taxes. No, he didn't get that. Now, unlike the British system, the original Constitution never contemplated that the federal government would have a financial relationship with individual persons. Rather, the federal government can only tax the states as a whole, not people living within those states. And that's a good point because we don't have any contact with the federal government personally unless we are paying federal taxes. Okay, So the idea for an income tax once again came out into the, in the open during the Civil War, as a means to finance the Union Army, which was costing, on average, $1.7 million per day. Now, on August 5th of 1861, Congress enacted a flat tax of 3% on income over $600. Congress soon realized that this tax was insufficient to meet its ever-increasing budget demands. So, a year later, before the first tax went into effect... Congress passed the Revenue Act of 1862. Now, this revised the tax rate so that, such that there would be a 3% tax on income between $610,000 and a 5% tax on income over $10,000. Revisions were made yet again in 1864, establishing this. Number one, a 5% tax excuse me, a 5% tax rate on income between $605,000, a 7.5% income tax, excuse me, a 7.5% tax rate on income between $5,000 and $10,000, and a 10% tax rate for income over $10,000. Subsequently, Congress raised the income tax for earnings over $5,000 to 10%. Even after the war in eight, ended in 1865, the government continued to tax income as a means to pay off its debt. By 1866, the federal government was receiving a total of $73 million annually from income taxes, or about 30% of its total, excuse me, revenues, its total revenues. Then, when this income tax expired in 1870, Congress enacted a new one, which uh, taxed incomes above $2,000 at 2.5%. And it wasn't until the uh, this income tax law expired, expired in 1872 that the United States finally went without an income tax again for some time. Now, in the years between 1874 and 1894, forms of an income tax were offered in 68 different bills in Congress in the hopes of reinstating that income tax. And it wasn't until the Panic of 1893 that the environment became ripe for the government to succeed in pushing through its agenda. Following this crisis, the Wilson-Gorman Tariff Act of 1894 was passed, placing a 2% tax on all incomes above $4,000. Interestingly, this was done without President Grover Cleveland signing off on it uh, because he resolutely believed that it was unconstitutional. Now, there is actually a federal court case about it. It was called um, Pollock v. Farmers Loan and Trust Company. Now, the Supreme Court actually uh, defended the integrity of the Constitution. Okay, uh, Chief Justice Fuller explained that uh, 
just like a tax on property itself, a tax on income from that property was also a direct tax, given that the tax on the income from the property, just like the tax on the property itself, had a direct impact on the value of the property. Okay, so after the Supreme Court struck down a direct federal income tax as unconstitutional, the movement for a direct income tax didn't die. Okay, in the years between, uh, excuse me, in the years 1896 and 1908, the Democrat Party endorsed amending the Constitution to enable a federal income tax, thus circumventing the decision in the court case that I mentioned uh, before. The main reason why Democrats supported the income tax was to embarrass the Republican Party, which, by opposing it, would look like the party of big business. Meaning the Republicans would like look, would look like the party of big business if they opposed this. Okay, so the Republicans also believed that in, that the income tax would never pass. Thought it would be better in terms of preserving the party's reputation to overcome the Democrats' agenda via the people rather than directly. Therefore, on June 16th of 1909, Republican President William Howard Taft addressed the Congress, endorsing in a, an amendment to the Constitution to allow for an unapportioned income tax. Now I like William Taft, but I I, I didn't like now that this was a bad decision, and I like I like Grover Cleveland. You can see uh, Grover Cleveland was a very principled. All right, so here's the kicker. Here's the big part. Okay, so there's this gentleman, but his there's a Republican senator. His name was Norris Brown. He was from Nebraska. He submitted two proposals, and if they were passed, would they would facilitate the enactment of an amendment to the Constitution. Now, to begin, Senator Brown had said that the income tax amendment. Quote, lays no tax, promises to lay none, but simply and solely restores to the people a power many times sustained, but finally but uh, finally denied by the courts, unquote. Now, this led people to believe that the income tax uh, that uh, excuse me, that the believe that the income tax authorized by this new amendment would only be used during emergency situations. OK, now, in addition to this, the government actually assured Americans that the federal income tax would not hit wage-earning workers. Rather, it would only tax the super wealthy, does this sound familiar, and people investing money and would not actually, and not actually performing manual labor to require it, to require it. okay? Now, this amendment went to the states, and by February 3rd of 1913, the necessary passage by three-fourths of the states had been garnered, and ratification was completed. The 16th Amendment became a part of the U.S. Constitution, US Constitution stating in its official capacity, quote, The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states, and without regard to any census or enumeration, unquote. Now, shortly after the ratification of the 16th Amendment, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Revenue Act of 1913, and it imposed a system of income tax that was the direct precursor to what we have in place today. Okay, you know, I talk about, okay, I can go on and talk about the personal exemptions and things like that for married couples and uh, all that type, all that type of stuff, the graduated tax rate, you know, and they pretty much, like the lowest tax rate was was 1% on income below 20000 and the highest tax rate was 7% on income above 500000 and in 1913, 500000 was a modern equivalent to $11.4 million. Okay, I can go on about, talk about that all day. Now, nobody likes the IRS, but uh, let's, the IRS, here, here's how the IRS was formed, okay? So, the cabinet position of Commissioner of Internal Revenue which was created by President Abraham Lincoln in 1862 as a means of enforcing the taxes enacted to fund the Civil War, was transformed into the Bureau of in Internal Revenue in 1918. Okay, ever since its inception, 
the bureau uh, was renamed the the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, in 1953, and has been continuously growing. So, if, if you don't like the IRS, you can thank uh, Abraham Lincoln for that. Okay. Now, I, uh, Abraham Lincoln didn't create directly create the IRS, but he created a, a collections agency to go out and collect the revenue for the Civil War to pay the soldiers. So, if you've ever had a bill in collections or you've heard about collections, you can thank Abraham Lincoln because in America, the first man to to employ a collection agency was Abraham Lincoln. Well, the first president, uh, per se. The first president to do that. Now, I, I had to catch myself because I was about to go on a rant about the IRS and their budget and everything like that. But, hey, okay, so you heard what I just told you about the 16th Amendment. So, we know Joe Biden has this billionaire tax, right? And... So let's talk about it for a second. So th- this uh, this comes from ArmstrongEconomics.com. They're saying that the billionaire tax will be for everyone. Okay, so Biden's wealth tax is going to be very dangerous. For now, it's called a billionaire's tax, which means all assets are going to be taxed worldwide. That will include the stock market, real estate, rare art, comic books, classic cars, jewelry, and collectibles. This new tax would apply solely for now. To people who, with at least one billion dollars in assets or one hundred million in income, for three straight years, these standards mean that just seven hundred taxpayers would face the additional tax on increases to their wealth. Okay, they're going to tax you like that, and these people are just going to leave the country. Okay, we need the rich because if they leave, uh, you know, we're, we're doomed because they they pay most of our taxes. Now. Liquid assets such as stocks uh, will be subject to the billionaire's tax so that they will pay this wealth tax on top of income taxes when they sell them. Now, Bezos actually sold $2 billion worth of shares coming, uh, claiming to link this to climate change, but it certainly made no sense. Excuse me, but it certainly made sense to do this right now. The way this tax is going to work is that they will be taxed only on any increases in value and take deductions on losses. Now, under the current law, those assets assets get taxed only when they are sold therefore it is like a property tax now armstrong economics goes goes on about some of the things i read you they say they say the billionaire tax is going to be for everybody they passed the income tax in 1913 swearing it would only apply to the super rich once any tax is created it will never be rescinded and as such it will always be expended the same way they keep redefining who is actually the hated rich people who are actually the hated rich people? Excuse me. Now, Nancy Pelosi said on CNN that they would raise uh, that that the tax would raise two hundred billion to two hundred fifty billion, and now this is complete and utter just nonsense. And it presumes that it's going to be a constant bull market, meaning uh, an, an incre- a, a good market, right? Because you have bullish and bearish markets. Now, Biden's raise, uh, Biden's claiming that this is going to um, it's not going to increase the deficit. Okay. Um, this simply means that the additional taxes, such as the global minimum tax and increased enforcement dollars for the IRS, would still be needed to help close the gap. Okay, this is just an easy way to define the rich. Okay, so they'll start saying, okay, if you make $100 million a year, you're rich. If you make $50 million a year, you're rich. And then they're going to get all the way down. If you make $80,000 a year, you're rich. Okay, that's that's just what it is. Because people are going to become poorer and poorer the more the government takes your money. Right? And so the Clinton's tax hike redefine the rich by uh changing the, the brackets meaning bill clinton and they could even impose a tax based upon vaccination or not so if you're, va- if you're if you're unvaccinated you're gonna pay more in taxes okay because you're killing people okay you you have to pay you know you have to pay more because you're you're evil and you're killing people so we're gonna tax you a lot more 
And so pretty much the end of that paragraph pretty means that uh, so if they're going to tax us more, they need more agents to go out and collect taxes, just like I told you with Abraham Lincoln. So the more you tax, more you know, more you're gonna need agents to go out and collect those taxes, okay? If people don't pay them, so then we're gonna have to they're gonna have to tax us to pay for the IRS, who's gonna go out and collect more taxes, and then we're gonna have less money, and they're gonna tax us more, and and the IRS is gonna have to go and collect more from us, but then people aren't gonna pay it because they don't have the money to pay it, but then the IRS is gonna go collect it. And then people have to pay for those IRS agents to go collect it. And then the IRS is going to take their money. And then the more people that don't pay it because they don't have the money, it's going to be raising taxes on other people who do have a little bit of money to pay the IRS agents to come and collect those taxes. Right? And then less people are going to have money. And we're still going to have to pay taxes more and more. But less people are going to have enough money to pay for stuff. And so the IRS is going to have to go and collect more money from people who do have money. And those people who do have money are going to have to pay the taxes. And for the IRS agents to go and pay for... The IRS agents go and take that money. It's, it's, it is a self-perpetuating cycle. This is, this is a spiral. This is a spiral. We're spiraling down out of control. Now, on Twitter, moving on, a gentleman by the name of... Talman Joseph Smith, he put on Twitter, he said, natural gas used to heat almost half of U.S. households, has almost doubled in price since this time last year. Crude oil, which deeply affects the 10% of households that rely on heating oil and propane during the winter, has soared by similarly eye-popping levels. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost a lot more to heat your house and things like that. Okay, so uh, Disclose.tv on Telegram, they put out, they said, Justin, U.S. producer price inflation jumps 8.6% year over year in October, matching the largest increase on record. Okay, so moving on, MSNBC, this goes out there and shows their behinds, okay? Uh, They put on Twitter, they said, why the inflation we're seeing now is a good thing. These people are sick, okay? Donald Trump Jr., he put on Twitter, he said, quote, the medians, the media's cover coverage of Biden inflation. Number one, inflation isn't happening. Number two, inflation is just transitory. Number three, inflation isn't Biden's fault. Number four, inflation is a good thing. Uh, unquote. This is just these people are just people are disgusting. Okay. All right. So let's move on. So the Federal Reserve. Okay. So the Fed issued a market red alert, and they're warning that stocks are uh, vulnerable to significant declines like the stock market and things like that. Things like your investment, Walmart, Target, Apple, Google, all those things and other stuff. Okay, so there is an 85-page report published by the Fed, and it warned that, as you know, the, the outlet Bloomberg put it, uh, quote, prices of risky assets keep rising, making them more susceptible, susceptible to perilous crashes if the economy takes a turn for the worse, unquote. And they're adding that, quote, asset prices remain vulnerable to significant declines should... Uh, should investor risk sentiment deteriorate progress on containing the virus disappoint or the economy recovery stall unquote so think that how would you know that how would you know that? i mean if when you invest in stocks you know that anyway you know that there are risks anyway okay but how does the fed know that these these stocks how does the fed know if stocks are going to drop or not they know because it's a controlled economy moving on wendy rogers of arizona Wendy Rogers is a Republican member of the Arizona Senate, okay? Uh, she was actually elected in November of 2020, and she got in office January 11th of 2021. So, State Senator Wendy Rogers, she is on her Twitter. I like, I actually, if you didn't know, I, I like Wendy Rogers a lot. I think she's, I think she's pretty good. 
She's one of the uh, Republicans I actually like. Now, Wendy Rogers, she says, she's, she's talking about Bitcoin here. She goes, congratulations to all the hodlers, okay? Uh, hashtag BTC, which is Bitcoin. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, as I woke up this morning and I looked at some of the stuff, Bitcoin is at like 68000 okay? I know yesterday it, hit, it was at 68000 for a little bit as well. And like I said, if you invested in Bitcoin and held it for any amount of time, you made money. Now, somebody on the Bitcoin subreddit on Reddit, they put uh, Bitcoin reached an all-time high. Can we reach 70000 Okay. And so a person by the name of Rise, R-Y-Z-E, put on Twitter. I don't know. I don't even know who this person is. I've never heard of them. But they said, these scam coins are getting crazy. Uh, someone just shilled me. Now, there's $27 trillion of it in circulation. There's an unlimited supply cap. There's only one node. 25% of supply was minted in the last six months, and only 1% of the holders own 30%. Well, I'm just kidding. That's the United States dollar. This person has a point here. Okay, then there is $27 trillion in circulation. There is an unlimited supply cap because the Federal Reserve just keeps printing and printing and printing. There's only one node, and that's the central bank, the Federal Reserve. They're, only, they're the people who uh, loan us money because the Treasury is prohibited from making their own money. Uh, just look at the uh, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Now, 25% of supply was minted in the last six months. Ah, yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. 25%. 25 out of every $100 in circulation right now was printed in the last six months. 25 at out of every $100 that you see today, that's physical cash, was printed in the last six months. I think in 2019 or 20, I think in 2019 or 2020 alone, we had about 20 to 22% of the physical dollars being printed in 20 or in either 2019 or 2020. And so now it is 25% that has been printed in the last six months. That is a lot of printing money. You have the infrastructure deal and things like that, the American Family Plan, American Family Plan, American Jobs Plan, all this stuff. We're giving money to illegal immigrants. We're giving money to other countries. They're just printing that money like it's just nothing. Okay, one percent of holders own thirty percent. Yes, the top one percent of uh, of uh, the top one percent in terms of wealth, they own approximately thirty percent of the wealth. Um, that's a lot because there's there's not very many of them, uh, and. Uh, I think the number is somewhere like twenty eight percent, not not necessarily thirty, but you know you can round it up. So he's he's pretty much he has a point either way. Well, actually, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm looking on Reddit.com, uh, somebody puts on the Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin subreddit. This person's name on on Reddit is should have bought Bitcoin. They he said he woke up to see that Bitcoin reached sixty nine k this morning, and as I look at my stuff here, um. I did not see Bitcoin at $69,000, okay? Uh, this person has it from Wednesday, November 10th at 6.16 in the morning. I don't know where this person lives. I could live on the East Coast, West Coast. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, as I'm recording this, I'm looking at Bitcoin's about, it's over 67000 I have not seen 69000 uh, honestly. I have not seen it. Somebody on Reddit that says, my girlfriend is tired of me talking about Bitcoin, but I'm not tired of the gains. Well, you're, well, you might need to get a new girlfriend, sir. But yeah, as I look on Reddit, a lot of people are saying it hit 69,000. Okay, a lot of people are saying it. Um, you know, I just have not seen it. Maybe, maybe the thing I'm using is behind. I don't know. Maybe I'm not using what they're using. So, um, 
Hey, somebody said the U.S. consumer inflation just hit 6.2%, which is the highest in 30 years. Uh, long live Bitcoin. Okay, so I found a story I wanted to talk about yesterday, but I just I forgot about it, and the things I, I had to find, I found it again. Okay, so a gentleman by the name of Mayor Francis Suarez. Actually, no, let's start like this. Okay, so Pomp, P-O-M-P. This person put it on Twitter. This is Twitter. Okay, he said, it is time. Who's going to be the first American politician to accept their salary in Bitcoin? Well, Mayor Francis Suarez, who is the mayor of Miami, Florida, he quoted the tweet and said this. I'm going to take my next paycheck a hundred percent in Bitcoin, problem solved. And he uh, he quoted somebody else, Sarasti. Can you help? Now, so another politician goes a step farther. Eric Adams, who is the mayor elect of New York, okay, Mayor Adams, who just won the election in New York, he said this on Twitter, replying to the quote by the mayor of Miami. He so the mayor of New York said, quote. In New York, we always go big. So I'm going to take my first three paychecks in Bitcoin when I become mayor. NYC is going to be the center of the cryptocurrency industry and other fast-growing innovative industries. Just wait, unquote. But then you got the governor of Texas who came out not long ago and had some things in Congress about Bitcoin, his state Congress. And he was saying Texas is going to be the center of cryptocurrency. I love it. I love to see these states. I would love to see the states just competing in the cryptocurrency. So I, I love it. Encouraging the citizens to buy more into it. You know, I love it how we talked about cryptocurrency a long time ago. And all of a sudden you're seeing you're seeing people. You see everybody got cryptocurrency on their Apps now, they're investing apps. You're seeing cryptocurrency machines and, and, and ATMs. This is a beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen. I, I love this here. Okay. Now, NASDAQ.com. They say inflation will wreck you, Bitcoin will save you. Okay. They're saying that the crush of increasing prices continues to grow, and there appears to be only one relief Bitcoin. No amount of inflation is good, but now it's noticeable and unnerving. The good news is that you have recourse. Sound money exists. It's called Bitcoin. This is an article written for hardworking people who are concerned about rising prices, a broke economy, and their own self-preservation in an uncertain future. That comes from Nasdaq.com. A gentleman's name is Joe Malik. Um, from he's a contributor from Bitcoin Magazine. Inflation will wreck you. Bitcoin will save you. That's actually a pretty good article. Uh, if you want to go ahead and take a look at that. All right, so we know Bitcoin's at 68, 60, 68, 67, 69,000, around there, okay? So I want to put this into perspective um, for you, okay? So, okay, so we know it takes about 67, 68,000 US dollars, Federal Reserve notes, to buy one Bitcoin. Now, how much Bitcoin is one US dollar uh, equal to? Now, one US dollar equals point zero 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 one five bitcoin that's how much one us dollar is worth in terms of uh, bitcoin all right so let's move on to something else as you can tell i love bitcoin i love cryptocurrency i love uh, talking about it but let's go ahead and move on to something let's talk about your favorite subject ever the the worst disease known to man the new black plague covid19 all right so dr robert malone creator of the mrna technology for the vaccines COVID-19 vaccine is an mRNA technology vaccine Dr. Robert Malone tells people not to take the COVID vaccine because it is mRNA technology and this guy knows his stuff as the creator 
So, Dr. Robert Malone goes on Twitter. He says, what is going on is that Pfizer is using CNN as a surrogate to advertise directly to children, thereby driving consumer demand to, uh, to cause the US, USG CDC to purchase additional Pfizer unlicensed EUA, which is emergency use authorization COVID-19 vaccines. Goes on, he says, this constitutes illegal marketing of an unlicensed pharmaceutical product. And it appears to involve collusion between CNN, the Sesame Street organization, and Pfizer. This may meet criteria for corrupt racketeering. Now, Mayor Bill de Blasio, who is currently the mayor, he's the mayor-elect is the other guy, um, but Bill de Blasio is a lame duck right now, he's on his way out. So Mayor Bill de Blasio says he wants to require children ages 5 to 11 to show proof of COVID vaccine to access businesses. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Now, when I heard this story, a word popped into my mind. Okay, you know, I, I you know, I say a lot of big words sometimes because I, I do a lot of reading, right? I read from I read books from people smarter than me. Right. And so the word that popped into my mind when I when I heard about what the mayor Bill de Blasio was doing was the word imbecilic, imbecilic. It means extremely stupid. Now, somebody asked, on somebody asked an incredible question. OK, I, I just this kind of blew my mind a little bit. OK. They said, why is the government mandating the vaccine for private sector employees? but not food stamp recipients. Huh, that's kind of interesting. Do you know why I think that is? I think that is because the food stamp recipients are reliant on the government for their resources and things that you already got them in your pocket, okay? They're already reliant on you. They're the hand that, you're the hand that feeds them. They won't bite you. And the things that you need all these other people to be reliant on you as well. So that's why you need to mandate the COVID vaccine to take their jobs and things like that uh, so that, they will be subservient to you so that you can do with them whatever you want to do. Now, the French Health Authority, which is the HAS, no longer recommends the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine for people under 30 years of age. Now, moving on from Breitbart.com, Biden White House tells businesses to follow the vaccine mandate despite the court block. Okay, so he's, he's advised businesses with 100 more employees to follow his vaccine mandate. It's not a law. It's not a law. It's not a law. Now, despite the temporary halt from a federal court of appeals. Now, White House Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, because Jen Psaki's out because she has COVID, um, she says, quote, people should not wait, unquote. She told reporters that on Monday. She says, quote, they should continue to move forward and make sure they are getting their workplace vaccinated, unquote. All right, new from the Daily Caller. They're saying that the National Institutes of Health, NIH, Dr. Fauci and those folks, they're going to hold a roundtable discussion on the ethics of vaccine mandates on December 1st, and it will feature a scientist from Dr. Anthony Fauci's agency making the case against forced vaccination for COVID-19. So Dr. Ma Matthew Mamoli, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, Mamoli, spelled M-E-M-O-L-I, and the reason I spell these things, folks, I, I spell them out because I listen to podcasts sometimes. I listen to things and people don't spell these things out so I can't find them. So things that I want you to be able to find what I'm talking about. That's why I spell it out for you. Okay, so Dr. Matthew Mamoli runs a clinical studies union at the, clinical, clinical studies union at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Okay, sorry, I can't speak today. 
Now, the ed- agency, which is headed by Fauci and will make the case against COVID-19 vaccinations mandates at the NIH event, according to the Wall Street Journal, Moley has said he supports COVID-19 vaccination in high-risk populations, such as for the elderly or obese, but emailed Fauci on July 30th, which is a long time ago, to say that mandatory vaccination is extraordinarily problematic. Okay, that was a long time ago, okay? It's it's November, and they pretty much did that in August, okay? About three months ago. Now, we have something from Disclose.tv. They're saying that uh, puzzling heart disease in football. An unusually large number of professional and amateur football players have collapsed recently. I want you all to remember that uh, Pfizer, the, the EUA from Pfizer is not is not FDA approved. The Cominarty, Cominarty, C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, Cominarty um, from Pfizer is approved, but it, it's not available in the United States. So, America, we are still getting um, an unapproved vaccine to be injected into people. Okay. So, the FDA actually um, approved Cominarty on August 23rd. And as of today, it's still unavailable anywhere in the United States. The FDA pulled a bait and switch to make it the American public believe they are taking an approved uh, vaccine when they're actually really not. Now, one of the bluest cities in America, Los Angeles. So there are thousands of people protesting in Los Angeles saying we will not comply with the vaccine mandate. I see people holding up signs that say media treason and all these different things. It's incredible. I love it. You know, so that's the thing. New York and LA, they're protesting now too. Okay, so how do you get the people to come together? You allow them to experience the tyranny because Republican versus, have you noticed, like, well, maybe maybe it's because I haven't been on Twitter or anything very much, you know, I have, haven't been doing the usual um, things on Twitter, because I barely get on at all, I haven't been on Twitter in quite a while, but, you know, I, as far as I know, because I haven't been on social media, keep in mind, I don't get on social media very much at all, unless I'm looking at people's, uh, certain people's tweets, and you got to notice, from what I've noticed, um, there is not much Republican versus Democrat amongst the people. Okay, okay. of course the government is going to do their old thing and say, oh, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans. And I'm going to you're going to have me sitting here saying, well, you're both terrible. Get out of here. Go home. Uh, you've all been doing election fraud. There's no way Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi get elected that many times over. But I haven't seen the much, much of the Republican versus Democrat thing. You know, even people who are left-leaning... Um, they they're not defending the stuff that's going on okay they're really not defending like the joe biden stuff and things like that they're not defending it okay and there are people who hated trump so much and then they've been like i have a couple friends who don't didn't want to take the vaccine they were so against it but they hate donald trump and then they got forced to take the vaccine i'm just like well you can't have your cake and eat it too this is what you wanted okay this is what you wanted okay you didn't want to take the vaccine but i don't see why not you know because I guess they know somebody who's died from it. Then you have Biden up there mandating the vaccine. Doesn't it just doesn't register with them yet? But it just it's okay. I, I've I've grown to, I've grown to being like oh, okay, it's okay. Well, they, they'll get it eventually. They can't put two and two together. Okay, it's like they have a blockage in their brain where it's kind of like well, the vaccine killed a family member or friend of yours or some a friend of your family, somebody that you know. But then you have Biden mandating the vaccines, and then you can't put two and two together that Biden vaccine mandates vaccine vaccine killing people boom put them together and we know what's happening we know who the enemy is but they can't process that yet um i guess they just don't have the mental power or capacity to do so yet 
um, or even the mental fortitude. But he's got to give him. He's got to give him. Uh, give him time. Okay, it's it's okay. You know, I used to get frustrated about this stuff because it's so. It is. It is so low level, so elementary, so banal, so easy. But uh, hey, they they can't get it yet. They can, it's okay because, ladies and gentlemen, we get it. And when they finally get it, we're not going to criticize them and tell them they're stupid. We're not going to do that. We're going to tell them, "Welcome to the battle." That's what we're going to tell them. Okay. Now, from activistpost.com, there's this thing that mass resistance to the unconstitutional unconstitutional mandate grows as seven, 27 states sue and start to win over the forced jabs. That's 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 the majority of the country there. Now, 27 states have filed have since filed lawsuits against the federal mandates, uh, the federal vaccine mandates. So, um, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt said this mandate is unconstitutional, unlawful, and unwise. Now, he said that in a court filing in the St. Louis-based 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals on behalf of 11 states this week. All right, so here's something that I saw. I pulled it up, and I was kind of curious. Okay, so if you look at a couple countries in Asia, and so the couple countries I'm looking at are India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Indonesia. Okay, so all together, they have about 2 billion, excuse me, 2 billion people. Hit myself in the lip. They have about 2 billion people. And they like uh, almost like no access to the advanced COVID vaccines. Yeah, I remember in, remember in India they were having those cases resurgent and they gave all those people ivermectin. The COVID cases went down. Now, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Indonesia they have about two billion people between them, as I already said. Now I know about about one point two of them live in India alone. <laughs> one point two billion live in India alone because <laughs> India is packed. It's like the second most populated country on the planet. That's the size of the point. So they are among the world's most densely populated and poorest countries. Okay, now if you're poor, usually a lot of times you don't have as good health care. And so this is a breeding ground for diseases and things like COVID, right? So you would think that they have an astronomical amount of daily cases, right? But if you look at uh, India, this is even Google this. Okay, I Googled India COVID, India COVID. Okay, so there's a seven day average of 11,000 cases. Okay, Um, what's it called? Bangladesh has seven. Over the past week, they have 211 new cases, right? Indonesia has 521 new cases. And the UK has like 33,000 cases. I didn't name the UK and the Asian countries, but the UK has like 33,000. So it's isn't it weird how all the, the first world countries are having all of the... Um, like all the highest cases, it's 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 crazy. When we have better healthcare, people like uh, places like France, America, Germany, Britain, Spain, and we have better healthcare than Bangladesh or India or places like that. Okay, and the things that we're getting more cases. Okay, but the things that the majority of COVID cases are people who catch COVID, stay home, and recover from it. Okay, it's a ninety nine point seven percent recovery rate. Okay, that's the thing about this. The thing is that if you have China, is okay. So China was pretty much they call China the epicenter of the outbreak. So two days ago, this comes from AlJazeera.com. Okay, so they're saying that China recorded reported eighty nine new COVID cases for November seventh, compared with seventy four a day earlier, which was November sixth. And many of the new infections, and um, uh, excuse me, of the new infections, sixty five were locally transmitted cases. Okay. And a day before that, there were 50. Okay, so they're saying the outbreaks are growing. But the thing is, that, okay, so they have 89 in a day. And China's the epicenter of an outbreak. Wouldn't there be more cases near the epicenter of an event or outbreak 
compared to somewhere else. It just doesn't make sense. And Indonesia and Bangladesh are closer to China than the UK or the United States. But then we have more cases. We have more outbreaks or cases every day. I don't know. Mathematically, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me mathematically. It's like I always say: possible, yes; probable, no. So on Twitter, a gentleman by the name of Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, Zuby Music, he puts out, he, he says, quote, the hardest part about 15 days to slow the spread is the first 600 days. It's pretty funny because on Reddit, I am going to actually save that and put that on my Snapchat. There's a, <laughs> they say, the Church of COVID on Reddit, they say, this individual shall be passed into the COVID Hall of Fame. This guy is in the airport. Well, it looks like an airport because there's terminals like D36 and things like that. I don't know what city. But... This guy has a has goggles, he has a mask, he has gloves, he has a shirt that says, I love Fauci with Fauci's face on it, and then he has one of those uh, head coverings that the nurses and doctors wear in the hospital as well. He might have those little coverings for his shoes as well. Um, so, somebody else put on a coronavirus circle jerk on Reddit. They said, not wearing a mask puts my family and I at risk. And then the person replies, says, your obedience to a corrupt government run by psychopaths and a corrupt media that covers for them puts me and my family at risk. And, of course, the other person's not very happy with that. Now, there's some people at, uh, there's another subreddit called Mask Freakouts. In Mask Freakouts, they talk about people who don't like being told to have to wear a mask. And they mock people for, you know, acting a fool when they don't have to, when they have to wear a mask. Okay, because I'm going to say, okay, so if you get told to wear a mask in a private business, just put it on, okay? Um, I'm not a proponent of a mask or anything like that. Um, it's just that, just don't act a fool. Just be reasonable, sensible, and responsible, okay? Don't be reprehensible. <laughs> I have rhymed, okay? I'm starting my rapping career soon. But, um, so mask freakouts, they, 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 they make fun of people who, are told to have to wear a mask and freak out about it. Okay, so because I agree you should not be freaking out about it. You should not be arguing and giving employees and people a hard time. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, if you don't want to wear a mask, just find somewhere you don't have to wear a mask. Okay, because there's there's a couple places I go here in uh, Sacramento. There's a couple places I know. Uh, I go stores and things like that. Well, I mean, you don't have to wear a mask. I mean, yeah, they have it on the door just for show, but I walk in there without a mask. No one really cares. Just, no, no one cares. Um, now, one thing, uh, okay, so Church of COVID, our subreddit, our friends at Church of COVID, uh, they talk about a guy, they show a picture of a guy who's wearing a mask and a face shield with his glasses in a hot tub. <laughs> so this guy has a mask and a face shield in a hot tub, right? And the Church of COVID says he's a loyal follower spreading the good word of Fauci via Jim Hot Tub, right? And so mask freakouts, they don't like this, okay? They... They quote, and they talk bad about our friends at Church of COVID. They say, drooling idiots at Church of COVID mock men for wearing a mask in a hot tub. And the thing is that these people at Mass Freakouts, they are proud of themselves. They are proud of themselves. It's like you're wearing a mask in a hot tub. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, I told you, like a couple weeks ago, I told you I saw a lady wearing a mask in a pool. It doesn't make. Would you wear a mask in the shower too? Uh, I mean, I, okay, I won't. I won't. Prom, I won't promulgate that because people are gonna start doing it. Okay, <laughs> people are gonna start doing it. Okay, so Pfizer CEO he says, "quote We're we're targeted by a lot of dark organizations, and we're getting briefings from the CIA and FBI." Unquote. So pretty much Pfizer is enlisting the CIA and FBI to protect the company from scrutiny. Okay. That's uh, pretty much what's going on. Corporate fascism. Hello, baby. All right, there is a planned protest in Australia. 
There's they're estimating to be over fifty thousand processors. Five zero. Fifty thousand. That is incredible. They say rise up Melbourne. Stop the pandemic bill. Sack Dan Andrews. No vaccine mandates or passports. Saturday, November thirteenth at twelve PM. Melbourne State Library marching to Parliament House. Supporting Victoria Freedom Movement. Bring signs, megaphones, and flags. Rallies on every week. Uh, get ready for November 20th. And I'm guessing November 20th is the day that they have the vote on That's what I guess. I don't know Australian politics like that. Just my guess. So, somebody by the name of... Okay, well, 162929. He puts on the conspiracy subreddit. He said... I got suspended for not getting the vaccine. Afterward, my boss asked if I had any questions. I asked, why are you suspending me for not getting the vaccine when my vaccinated coworkers who can almost equally, excuse me, when my vaccinated coworkers can almost equally transmit the virus? My boss replied, I don't know. You should ask Toronto Public Health. I am just following the protocol given to me. Does this sound familiar? Unquote. All right, let's move on. I got about seven minutes. Okay, so... An Arizona school district colluded with law enforcement to shut the parents up, okay? So, according to emails obtained by Not In Our Schools, it's called Not In Our Schools, so Sergeant Greg Howarth of the Chandler Police Department spent time in April and May gathering evidence on parent groups opposed to critical race theory and child masking to satiate the request of Chandler Unified School District Director of School Safety, Tanya Smith. Now, ahead of the controversial school board meeting, Smith... um, which is who is the director of school safety. Now Smith, who admitted she was already seeking out information about dissenters on social media, asked Howarth to share information he had about certain parent groups that were openly opposed to mass mandates. Howarth reassured her that he already had access to their sites and would be monitoring them. That comes from the from the Federalist.com. All right, so folks, you got to remember that uh, we still have John Durham on the prowl. We still have, remember, Arizona is still going around with the election and things like that. We had the forensic audit report and things like that. So um, we have uh, the Attorney General of Arizona. We still need to pray for him, make sure that he does the right thing, pray that God leads him and protects him. And so Donald Trump puts out a statement on November 8th of 2021. He said the great patriots of Arizona are anxiously waiting for the attorney general's review of the large scale election fraud that took place during the 2020 presidential election. The findings of the forensic audit report were clear and conclusive. The results from the congressional election integrity hearing that just took place in Washington, D.C. upon cross-examination were devastating to the other side. The Arizona legislature and other states should at least at minimum, minimum decertify the election the American people deserve an answer now. And then we're seeing from Georgia. Georgia can't produce over 17,000 2020 election ballot images that were required by law. And more than more than, they were more than the margin of error in the Biden win. So 74 counties in Georgia can't produce original 2020 election ballot images. 56 counties admit images are not available despite federal and state retention laws. I have to keep them for 22 months, which is almost two years. Now, the ballot images are a critical aspect of the election records that have long been required to be retained by federal and state law. Federal federal law requires 22 month retention period a 22 month month retention period for election records, while state law requires 24 months for the election documents, which are generally considered to include those that are electronic. So, quite a question: What are they doing with these ballots? 
All right, so let's let's look at some stories here. So YouTube is going to hide the dislike counts on all the videos because they know Joe Biden's videos are getting just absolutely bombarded and nuked with dislikes. And so YouTube says the platform wants to curb creator harassment by hiding the dislike count. Recently, almost all videos published on the White House channel received far more dislikes than likes. You can go ahead and look at that on YouTube if you ever want to see uh, the White House get just bombarded with dislikes. But I tell you what, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to start screenshotting some uh, some like and dislike counts before they uh, try to hide it. All right, so we know Biden has openings for the Treasury Departments and he actually nom nominated a lady called Miss um, Omarova. Let me see if I can find her first name. Her name is Saul Omarova, S-A-U-L-E. She is directly from the Communist Central Casting and literally from Kazakhstan in the former Soviet Union. Ms. Omarova graduated from Moscow State University in 1991, and Joe Biden nominated her for the OCC job in September. And yeah, he so he pretty much nominated a communist. So today, she was actually caught on top on tape saying is the i can't speak today she was caught on tape saying it's the intent of the biden administration to use the treasury department to bankrupt oil coal and natural gas companies this is what happens when excuse me this is what happens often with avowed ideologues they are so focused on their mission to destroy the united states that they just say the stuff out loud let's go ahead and take a listen to this audio here for certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning and here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. A lot of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? All right. So there's a couple of things I want to show you. Okay. So Pfizer in 2001, right? Pfizer Inc. And this is August, August 30th of 2001. Pfizer... And so it's, it's really interesting that this is right before 9-11. Pfizer Inc. was sued yesterday on behalf of 30 Nigerian families who contend that the world's largest drug maker violated international law during a 1996 meningitis epidemic by experimenting on children without their knowledge or consent. The lawsuit filed in federal, in federal court in New York alleges that the children were used as human guinea pigs during clinical trials of Pfizer antibiotic known as Trovin. The families of at least six children who died during or shortly after the experiment are among those suing, according to their attorney, Elaine Cousel. The families contend that Pfizer violated the Nuremberg Code, UN Human Rights Standards, and other ethical guidelines. They allege that Pfizer exposed the children to cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment. What kind of people would use children as human guinea pigs? That's, that's disgusting. All right, I didn't think I was going to talk about this, but I have to talk about this. I have to do this. Okay, you need to know. All right, so Astroworld, Travis Scott. Travis Scott is a, he makes music. He's, a, he's technically a rapper. Now, Travis Scott had a concert, his Astroworld concert, and he had eight people who were killed at that, that incident. I think, I'm pretty sure they were shot. And the day of his incident, the Astroworld incident, Travis Scott released a song called Escape Plan. And the thing is that in the song Escape Plan, the music video, he was wearing a shirt, a Pearl Jam shirt, right? It was from Pearl Jam, like the, the, the you know, the band Pearl Jam. Now, there was actually a tragedy at a Pearl Jam concert, and this was in August 17th of 2009, and nine people died at that Pearl Jam concert. And there were 50,000 fans waiting to see Pearl Jam. 
there are also 50,000 fans waiting to see Travis Scott. Now, at the Pearl Jam concert, uh, eight young men ages 17 to 26 suffocated to death in a in the mosh pit as a Pearl Jam as excuse me as Pearl Jam performed. A ninth man died in the hospital five days later. Notice at Travis, Travis Scott's Astroworld concert, eight people died. So this is where things start to get interesting. Okay, so. Travis Scott, in the in the video of his new song, he's wearing a Pearl Jam shirt, like I said, and he's it's it looks like he's trying to hide the the shirt. Now, if I, I if you take a look at the Pearl Jam tour shirt from the year two thousand, what does it have on it? It has the number eight on that shirt, and in the middle of that number eight, there is what looks like an eye. So at Travis Scott's concert, he comes out of a tunnel. And after he comes out of the tunnel, there looks like to be an eyeball behind him in the tunnel. And there are pillars of flame coming up on each side of the tunnel. There are four pillars to his left and four pillars to his right. Well, four and four is eight. There are eight pillars of fire. Now, I want you to notice that Travis Scott's set only looked like this with the eight ball, not the, but excuse me, the eyeball and the eight flames. It only looked like that. When he was performing his new song called Escape Plan. That's the only time during the concert that it looked like this. Now, for this concert, there's a lot of artwork and things like that. And so, there we know that the all-seeing eye represents you know, Lucifer and things like that. Or Satan, the devil. And so, but the eye, there's on some of this artwork, there are eyes. And then there are two hands below a bunch of eyes. Eyes in the sky. And then on these two hands, there's one eyeball on each hand. So there's a movie that came out in 2006. It's called Pan's Labyrinth. And in Pan's Labyrinth, there is a monster who with two hands that has one eye on each hand. Now in this movie, Pale Man is a creature that devours children. Now Pale Man was actually based upon um, Kronos eating his children. Like in the Greek mythology, Kronos would eat his children because one day the, a child would overthrow him. That child became Zeus, and Zeus and his brothers and sisters defeated Kronos. That could be Kronos or Saturn. Saturn being the same, same, the same as Kronos, you know, Saturn, uh, like the Roman god Saturn. So one thing that you notice that's interesting is that to Travis Scott's, the interest to Travis Scott's, uh, the entrance to his concert and on one of his album covers, uh, on his Astral World al album cover, as well as the entrance to the concert, there is a mouth opening that you would walk into, like a mouth devouring people. Now, Saturn is the Roman god of the harvest and things like that. He's usually depicted having a scythe. Who else has a scythe? The Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper is actually really the god Saturn. And the Grim Reaper is what? The Grim Reaper is death. Or they death incarnate. That's what it symbolizes is death. To harvest, to take to take away, a sickle, a scythe. Now, Travis Scott's set design was a temple with a portal in the middle of it. Now the Romans actually built a temple to the god Saturn. It was called Saturnius Mons. Saturnius Mons translates to Saturn's mountain. So one could say that going to this concert was like entering the temple of the devil and participating in a soul harvesting ritual. And the thing about this ritual is that you won't even know. See, ladies and gentlemen, the masses have no idea. They have no idea this stuff goes on. 
but there's more. So one of the symbols of Saturn is a cube. It's called the black cube of Saturn. Saturn's number is the number eight, and that represents the eight corners of a cube. And you notice that there were also eight flames at the Astral World show. So the crazy thing is that the cube, a cube represents confinement and and it shows that there's no way out of the cube. So there's an old film called Fear, Paranoia, Suspicion, Desperation. Uh, it's called, and it has a cube. Actually, excuse me, the film's called Cube, Fear, Fear Paranoia, Suspicion, Desperation. It, uh, one of the subtitles says, don't look for a reason, look for a way out. Suspicion. So that subtitle said, don't look for a reason, look for a way out. And what was Travis Scott's latest song called? A way out. Excuse me, not a way out. It's called escape plan. Sorry, it's called escape plan. I, I apologize. And so one of the main reasons that people died at that concert was that they were confined and they could not escape. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that God sent his son. Thank you so much for listening. You could have been listening to anything, but you chose to be here listening with us. Thank you so much. I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow on Thursday.